This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Good morning and welcome to worship. The Savior that God provided for us is precisely the Savior that we needed and always need. He was and is and always will be God's gift for the world. Jesus explains that to a young man named Nicodemus in our sermon text today from John chapter 3. Our gospel reading and the words of our sermon text this morning, John chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these miraculous signs you are doing unless God is with him. Jesus replied, Amen, amen, I tell you. Unless someone is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Amen, amen, I tell you. Unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be surprised when I tell you that you must be born from above. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with anyone who is born of the Spirit. How can these things be? asked Nicodemus. You are the teacher of Israel, Jesus answered, and you do not know these things? Amen, amen, I tell you. We speak what we know and we testify about what we have seen, but you people do not accept our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man who is in heaven. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. To those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Amen. In the name of our Savior Jesus Christ, dear friends, our Sunday Lenten series is working with the theme, The Savior We Needed. Last Sunday we heard how Jesus, the Savior we needed, is a champion for the defeated. Today's text reminds us that Jesus is a gift for the world. Now, that's quite a concept, right? A gift for the world. Did you ever nail it when it came to getting a gift for a loved one? They had no idea what you were going to be getting them for a birthday present, and yet when they opened it up, their eyes lit up and their face was filled with a great big smile and they said, this is exactly what I needed. I've always wanted this. Thank you so much. 
Okay, but a gift for the world? Do you ever have to buy a gift for a group of people? It's not easy to do because some people will love the gift that you've selected for that group of people, and some people will think to themselves, yeah, I don't really want this, I don't really need this, but I guess it's the thought that counts. A gift for the world. I'm pretty certain that a gift was not what was on the mind of Nicodemus that night when he met with Jesus. As a member of the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees, Nicodemus, well, he was among that group of men that considered themselves to be the spiritual elite. Figured that they kept all of God's laws meticulously. Figured that they didn't really have any need for Jesus, a Savior, because they didn't really have any sin that was all that serious. Nor did they believe for a moment that Jesus was the promised Messiah sent from heaven. But it seems that Nicodemus had a hunch that there was something to this teacher from up in Nazareth named Jesus. I wonder at this point, what kind of faith did Nicodemus have? I mean, he's willing to call Jesus teacher, but he doesn't call him Lord. He's willing to acknowledge that Jesus has some sort of a call from God. I mean, how else would you explain the wonderful, astounding miracles that he'd been performing? But he's not willing yet to identify Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah. He's willing to go and meet with Jesus and have a conversation with him, but he did so at night, presumably, so that these fellow Pharisees wouldn't find out about their clandestine meeting. Nicodemus, like so many people still today, seems to see Jesus at this point as a moral teacher, as a great example. But I'm pretty sure that at this point, Nicodemus still believed that if he wanted to get into heaven, well, he'd get there by being a good enough person. To this man, who at the time seemed to know a little bit about Jesus, Jesus revealed God's great big plan, a gift for the world. Now, before Nicodemus, or anyone else for that matter, could ever care about this gift for the world, first we have to know why it is that we need it. And so when Nicodemus kicked things off by acknowledging that there was something about this Jesus that piqued his interest, he must have been astounded at the response that Jesus gave. Jesus said, I tell you, unless someone is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I'm pretty sure that statement just seemed to come out of left field for Nicodemus. And Jesus talks to him about being born. Okay, so let me ask you, what made you decide to be born on the day that you were born? And you'd say, well, pastor, that's a silly question. I had no say in the matter. I was a little baby in my mother's womb. And you're right. Little babies don't have a say about when they're born or when they're conceived or how they'll be brought into the world or anything for that matter. They're carried around in the womb for about nine months and then suddenly they're brought out of that safe comfort of the womb and arrive 
into our world. And it's all without their doing, without their asking, and without their effort. Do you see why Jesus wanted to talk to Nicodemus about being born? Being born into the kingdom of God doesn't come about by our effort or our works at all, faith and forgiveness and redemption and salvation. They are not our doing. They are God's, his gift to the world. Jesus is the gift that's needed by every single person in the world. Did you catch it? He teaches us in verse 6 that whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. You know what he means by that? Flesh in Scripture is often used to describe concepts that are associated with sin, desires of the flesh, deeds of the flesh. So Jesus there is simply stating the truth that sinful people give birth to sinful children. That's true of all of us born into this world. We admit along with King David in Psalm 51 that we were sinful from the time our mother conceived us. We know that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Friends, this is more than just a little flaw in our character. That means that we were born into this world opposed to God as God's enemy, spiritually blind, blind to any spiritual truth. By nature, we had no place in our hearts for God, and there was no way that we could raise ourselves up to God. And to further drive home his point, Jesus reminds Nicodemus of what happened to the Israelites about 1,400 years earlier when they were wandering in the wilderness, when they began straying from the Lord and turning against him. The Lord graciously provided for them an epidemic of poisonous snakes. Remember this? It's in Numbers chapter 21. One after the other, the Israelites kept getting bitten and died left and right. They had no anti-venom. They had no recourse. They were helpless against this plague that was bringing death, and they cried out to God. Universal truths true of everyone in the whole world. That's what Jesus was sharing, that we're all sinners, born into this world completely infected with the venom of sin, without any ability to bail ourselves out, and it left us begging for mercy. Well, thankfully, the true and only God is all about mercy. Not selective mercy, mind you, but universal mercy, mercy for the world, mercy that comes from God, from above, mercy that is a gift. Okay, so let's put what Jesus is saying here into positive terms. He's saying here that everyone who is born from above or born again, either translation is accurate, everyone born from above, born of God, is delivered, is brought into, is born into the family of God, the kingdom of God. He says here that when we are born of water and the Holy Spirit, he's referring to baptism, we are born into the kingdom of God. He's saying that when the Holy Spirit gives you second birth from above, you are now a spiritual being, alive in Christ, a child of the living God. And the Holy Spirit's work, he describes as like the wind. You can't see it, but you can feel it. You feel this hope and this joy and this peace of knowing that in Christ your sins are forgiven. 
You can see what the wind does to down lines and down tree limbs. You can see what the Holy Spirit has done in your life as he leads you to a life of faith and good works. But believer, Jesus is teaching you that you have two births to celebrate. The first one was when your parents gave birth to you and you were born into the world. And the second is the day that you were born into the kingdom of God, brought to faith in Jesus as your Savior. And why? Because this Jesus is a gift for all the world. And what did he do? Well, back in Numbers chapter 21, when God's people were being killed by poisonous snakes, what did God do? He provided the strangest cure that ever was. To these people who had a terrible snake problem, God said, Moses, make a snake out of bronze. And fasten it to a pole and raise that pole up. And whenever anyone in the camp is bitten by a snake, he or she simply looks at that bronze snake, lift it up on the pole, and they'll live. What did he ask them to do? They didn't have to shimmy up the pole and touch the snake. They didn't need to recite something 10 or 15 or 30 times. They didn't need to pay any kind of fine. Just look and believe. Well, we aren't plagued by deadly snakes, but we are plagued by sin. And the wages of that sin is death. And sinful is what we are by nature. Sinful is our default setting, and it shows itself in our lives every single day of our lives. We not only ignore and mistreat God, but we mistreat and sin against one another. We have been bitten by sin, every one of us. We're poisoned with this deadly venom and left to ourselves, we would have suffered forever in that snake pit called hell. So what did God do? To a human race infected with the deadly poison of sin, God provided the ultimate man. True God and true man Jesus came to take our place. Jesus did not come here to teach us how to DIY our way into heaven because we can't. He came to be the way into heaven. He came to be lifted up on a cross. The innocent one who was given for a world of guilty sinners, Jesus paid our ransom. Jesus suffered our hell, and by his wounds we are healed. And that's why Jesus said, just as just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Everyone who believes, a gift for the world. And then Jesus said in those familiar words, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Note that well. God so loved the world so that whoever believes to save the world through him, a gift for the world. For God so loved the world 
the next time you hear that verse or think about that phrase, that God so loved the world, think. He so loved you. But know two things about that phrase, that God so loved the world. It shows you the depth of the love that God has for you that he gave his one and only son for you. And secondly, it shows the manner in which God so loved you, not by saying sweet things to you, not by giving you a fancy card, not by buying you flowers or candy, but by giving you what you needed, a savior, a gift for the world. What do they say? Don't stare a gift horse in the mouth. Believer, do not let this gift, this Savior, go unclaimed in your life. Receive Christ by faith and never let him go. So the Son of Man, Jesus said, must be lifted up. Because that was God's way to save the world. And he was lifted up. Remember how heartless scoffers gathered near that cross on that first Good Friday? Remember how they literally added insult to injury? As Jesus hung on the cross, they shouted at him and laughed, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Of course he could have come down from the cross. He could have saved himself. But instead he stayed put to save us because he loves us. And in so doing, Jesus gave us new life from above. A new life of joy and peace and purpose and hope here and now. And an everlasting life to enjoy in his presence when this life is over. This gift for the world. That gift is given for you and to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen.